Helen, nice to meet you here in Utrecht. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks for coming over. <laughs> You're involved in a European project called Naturevation. Can you elaborate on that? What is Naturevation? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Naturevation is um, a four-year European project funded by the European Commission. Um, and um, there's many different institutions from across Europe, both universities and practitioners and municipalities involved in this project. Um, and we uh, aim to uh, upscale nature-based solutions uh, in urban areas, um, mostly by doing research, but also by directly um, collaborating with, um, yeah, with practitioners, with municipalities, mm. to also implement some of the work that we have done directly. So, um, and it's really about finding best practices, uh, developing tools, um, trying to overcome certain barriers, why nature-based solutions are currently not yet mainstreamed, to, re yeah, to really identify and help develop pathways for mainstreaming urban nature-based solutions in cities. I can imagine uh, for such a big project, you write out your main goals. How did you write it out in a sentence? Um... Well, so the main the main goal is to uh, um, to to find pathways to mainstream urban nature based solutions in cities, in particular in the context of Europe. What would you say are the main takeaways at this point from the project until now? You mean? Yeah, yeah. So we're about halfway through the project. Um, one of the first big um, um, kind of things that we developed was actually an atlas for. Um, uh, to, uh, which identifies around a thousand nature-based solutions across cities in Europe. Um, so I think that was the first kind of very comprehensive uh, um, take at trying to get such a good overview of what was actually happening in European cities mm -hmm. in terms of uh, nature-based solutions. So that's the Urban Nature Atlas, which can be downloaded and accessed from our uh, from our from the website of naturevation.eu. Accessible for everybody who wants. Yeah, yeah. So you can just and you can. Uh, look for uh, which sustainable sustainable development goal it refers to the project size the country uh, the type of nature based solutions of course it can be a green roof it can mm -hmm. be a park it can be um, a sustainable urban drainage system so there's of course a lot of different types of nature based solutions that are implemented in the context of cities both very small scale and also very large scale ones um so that's one big um yeah, actually very visible outcome of the project is mm. that we make it very visible w what you can actually do in terms of nature-based solutions in cities. Um, uh, so my role within the project is yeah, to... Yeah, what's to, your uh, role? Yeah. yeah, my role. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm really here, uh, one of the ec economists in the project. So we're here at the Utrecht School of Economics. I work at the Sustainable Finance Lab here at Utrecht University. Mm -hmm. um, and my role is to identify uh, business models and uh, financing solutions that can help upscale uh, nature-based solutions in cities. What's the best business, business model so far that you discovered? For nature-based solutions? Yeah. Well, uh, that's an interesting question because uh, it depends very much on the context uh, what the best business model is. Um, so for uh, a, a green roof, yeah, for, example. For, for, uh, for homeowners, the business model can be different from uh, a, a big park in a city or a drainage system across a whole uh, part of the municipality, for example. Um, 
but I've um, we, uh, we we carried out uh, 54 very in-depth cases. Yeah. Of um, of nature-based solutions in and outside Europe. All um, summarized in this uh, folder. Yeah, so what I did from these cases is I tried to uh, draw out the business models that were used. So what value is driving these nature-based solutions to be there? So who is paying for them? And why are they paying for them? Um, and uh, some of the bigger um, uh, streams of funding, for example, come out of uh, real estate development. where um, mm-hmm. So that's what I then call the green densification model where cities realize they need to do... A lot of cities are building a lot of houses at the moment because more and more citizens in Europe want to live in the cities. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, cities have to remain livable. So um, uh, part of the greening is actually developed as part of uh, housing development or new real estate development uh, to keep it livable for, uh, for citizens, uh, but also s- often because municipalities actually request this. So they say, well, you know, we, you can build here, but we have to make sure we can also keep our city green uh, and also uh, as a way to adapt to climate change, uh, to reduce flood risks. So we have uh, we see a green densification model. We see a risk reduction model where indeed municipalities say, well, you can build here, but we, we need to make sure that, um, uh, yeah, that it's not a too risky flood area. So that's really the, the the value driving it is actually to reduce the damage costs and also to protect citizens. Um, uh, another model that we that we find, but which I think still has a lot more potential, is kind of the green health model. So what does greening do for well-being of mm-hmm. citizens? So both citizens that are vulnerable, but also citizens more generally in terms of air pollution, um, uh, recreation. So there's really kind of a, a health benefit driving greening in cities as well. And and that's what I what I think is very good about the term nature-based solutions, as opposed to just calling it nature or mm-hmm. or green infrastructure. Uh, the way it's framed, it's really to uh, try to address multiple urban sustainability goals at once. Um, so the idea is that by uh, really integrating nature into the way you design, develop uh, your city, it can actually be a very uh, cost-effective solution for many of the urban sustainability goals that you want to reach. Because, um, well, again, if we look at a green roof, um, for a for a for a homeowner, um, yeah. it can mean maybe it can give a certain aesthetic benefit, right? So they like looking at the green roof instead of a bitumen roof, for example. Um, it also means that their roof lasts longer, right? So there's a business model in terms of replacement costs for the for the roof. So there are some benefits which are very much uh, for the person themselves. Yeah. Uh, but then this this green roof can also deliver benefits, uh, public benefits. So it can uh, reduce um, noise for the community. It can reduce air pollution. Uh, it delivers some level of biodiversity. So um, benefits on multiple sides. Exactly. Yeah. That leads me to the question: Is uh, green infrastructure a type of nature-based solution, and to what extent is it? Yeah, that's a that, that's a good question. So I think green infrastructure. Um, is often seen as kind of maybe similar th- as a nature-based solution, uh, but the way that uh, nature-based solutions are defined are really that uh, in the sense of uh, developing them in order to meet these multiple sustainability goals at once. So really about being um, cost-effective solutions to solving certain urban sustainability uh, challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, 
uh, green infrastructure can be definitely uh, a form of, uh, of nature-based solution. Yeah, and the climate is changing rapidly. We all know that. How can we ensure that nature-based solutions become implemented faster in our society? Yeah, that's a very uh, good uh, million-dollar question. Big challenge, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so the urgency of integrating nature in city has, has definitely increased with, uh, with, with climate change. Um, of course, a lot of the, the, the funding is going uh, to, to still mitigation. How can we prevent climate change? How can mm. we make sure we will be living in a, in a world that's not warmer than one and a half degrees, two degrees? But the fact is that the world will be warmer. We don't know yet how much. Uh, and the weather will get more extreme. And our cities will need to be prepared for this. Um, Are we focusing on the wrong part of the problem? Would you say? You mean because because we're looking into mitigation? Yeah. No. Well, no. Uh, I think the only thing is that we also need to realize is that we're never going to mitigate. We're never going to prevent climate change a hundred percent anymore. That's the fact. That's where we are at at the moment. So, um, uh, so uh, do you have any tips uh, or advice for ordinary people, just like me, who uh, don't work in these fields but who would like to make a difference? Mm, like as a as a citizen or as yeah. a, just for yourself exactly or as a group of people or a neighborhood yeah um yeah definitely i mean there's a lot you can do in your very direct surrounding so uh, by uh, uh greening your own property uh, maybe if you have a flat roof you could uh, you could think about make it putting a green your, one make it green yeah I mean, it'll, it'll look nice it's like you're extending your garden um same as like you know taking the tiles out of your garden uh trying to put in plants that uh, attract biodiversity for example uh, but another um, uh thing we noticed in the case studies that we studied is there's also something which we call the local stewardship model so where people really try to uh help uh, develop nature in their direct surrounding because mm-hmm. this is also where they get most benefit so that's very logical yeah. and it's, it's in your own backyard so exactly to say. yeah or but or even in the public space so uh, I mean, I I volunteer as a as a uh, in the in the local green playground yeah. to help uh, do some of the greening uh, every. Oh, well, uh, good point. What do you do yourself for in, greening in, in this context? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Well, so that. So uh, I just moved nice. to Utrecht uh, last uh, last year, and um, there's a really nice uh, uh, like nature playground uh, next door, and there's a like a local volunteer community around it, and a gardener, and the gardener gets paid a bit by the municipality. And uh, every three months, all the volunteers come and we help uh, with uh, yeah, k- maintaining the, 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 the garden. So you just joined? I just joined, yeah. So it's easy as that. Yeah, it is, well, and you put in some time. So yeah, it's volunteer time, yeah. What, but, are, the, what yeah. are the barriers, if it's so easy? To, to join to something. In yeah, or to, and to make a difference and to uh, help out. Um, well, I guess in, in this case, it would be... Uh, that it's mostly parents that actually are attracted to something like this. So you have to know about it. Yeah. It's very informal through networks, but everyone can do their own thing, right? I mean, you in some cities, you can adopt a tree uh, along the streets. Um, uh, so it's exposure that's lacking. That's one of the barriers. Exposure for what is possible and what science can, what, what kind of difference science can make. Um, well, in this case, you're asking what an individual can do, right? Yeah, and and yeah. to and to a greater extent, all of us together. Yeah, well, so so indeed, sometimes it's also awareness that we don't realize that that biodiversity and and nature in cities can provide so many benefits. 
that if we would be more aware of that, we would probably love it even more and put more attention to it instead of thinking, well, it's actually easier to put some tiles because then I don't have to maintain my garden mm-hmm. and I can do barbecue every Saturday. So, uh, you know, there's, there, there's, there can be different narratives about greening also in the, in the own surrounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I do think that, that science can play a role in, in developing that, uh, that awareness uh, around it. But it's not just for the, for the individual. So the individual citizen plays a role, but there's, of course, many different actors that also can really help uh, yeah, speed up the uptake of nature yeah. uh, in cities. One of those actors, of course, is uh, the government. Uh, to, uh, w- uh, what do you think has been the main failure up till now from the political side uh, regarding the implementation of nature-based solutions? The main failure, wow. Um, the, well, big, the biggest one, Helen. The biggest failure. Wow. No, I will let me let me rephrase it as barrier. Is that okay? is that more? Uh, sure. Maybe it's not politically correct, but I, I'm not sure if it, because I'm not sure if it's a failure. But uh, one of the things we're 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 really finding, and and other researchers as well, is that uh, the government is very organized uh, along um, yeah different sectors. So someone is, is responsible for health. Someone is responsible for water management. Someone else is responsible for, uh, you know, maintaining the green. And what you see now in nature-based solutions is that um, they can for sure be very cost-effective, but only if you value all the different benefits. So mm-hmm. if you are looking at uh, implementing a, a green, some greening out of one, uh, one type of benefit, so from one budget, then often the costs will be higher than the benefits that you get out of it. Yeah. It's only when you start stacking these benefits that it actually becomes very cost-effective. But then coming back to your question on, you know, what's then the, the failure or the barrier for government, it's yeah. actually um, currently the governance structures are not organized naturally in a way that these different um, benefits come together. So people have their own projects. Uh, they have their own departments with their with their own budgets. And one of the big challenges is to kind of put put these budgets together to together develop uh, nature-based solutions. What needs to be done to achieve that? Yeah, so uh, some there there are cities who 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 are working on that. Uh, one one very nice example is in Melbourne, where they of course they've also it's it's been really hot in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, they experienced what climate change uh, can do, um, and one of the things they said, well, we need to protect our citizens with trees. Uh, so they they set up an urban forest fund where they pooled money and budget from different parts of the uh, of the government and f- yeah made uh, um, in that way enabled uh, projects gr- greening projects to be co-funded. Uh, so they 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 co-fund projects from citizens with this money and then they're able to provide much more money per project because they have actually pooled pooled this funding. So there are Great these type example, of yeah yeah so th- so there are ways to do it but actually that's one of my big missions in this project to yeah try to find out how to how to set that up that collaborative governance and um, and that actually goes beyond only uh, the government or the public sector because it's also about trying to collaborate between the government and private actors. Um, uh, are there any special projects uh, or organizations that you would like to highlight that are working in the field of sustainable finance and or nature-based solutions? Um, yeah, so um, so one thing I'm very interested in, uh, also in line with this collaborative governance, is uh, the work that the Nature Conservancy is doing. So they're a, a very large NGO looking at uh, uh, preserving nature and also very much 
making it measurable what nature can do. Uh, and they they are, for example, setting up water funds across the world mm-hmm. where um, where they um, invite both public and private actors to can to pool funds to invest in uh, in nature based interventions. And then also big actors like uh, like Coca-Cola or other actors that are interested in, you know, keeping the water sector, the water infrastructure well structured, then also join in. So uh, these are just kind of little examples of what's um, what's being done uh, here uh, closer to home in the Netherlands. Um, one of the so I'm doing a lot of interviews right now in, yeah. in the whole of Europe. Uh, and one of the uh, I actually interviewed also an insurance firm that is um uh, th- that is now uh, stimulating individuals to take up green roofs. So they make it easier for you to take up a green roof. They already uh, coordinated with a green roof firm. Uh, so they have like a fixed cost for you. You get a free uh, scan of your roof. And even if it's very small, they, they basically organize it for you. So it's like a collective buying power uh, organized by an insurance firm. And then y- you wonder, well, why would an insurance firm do that? Mm-hmm. And one of the things they're hoping to reach with this is that uh, the damage costs... Uh, from from water uh, will reduce because uh, if roofs are better protected, but then they're also delivering you know other benefits with 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 the uh, fast uptake of green roofs. So um, yeah, th- those are just two examples of uh, kind of more Great innovative examples, uh, yeah. Appro- approaches. Yeah, we're uh, approaching uh, the end of this uh, video podcast, uh, but not we're g- going to wrap it up, but not before you uh, show us your circular roots uh, publication because with that. Publication, yeah, that one. You're one of the co-authors. Yeah. With that in hand, um, and then if you could wish for one thing for the future world, what would it be? Well, that, then I have to have the world circular, uh, circular in it, right? Um, well, I, I mean, I would really like. Uh, uh, I, I would want the economy to be, uh, yeah, to 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 take care of its environment. So to to to. Uh, to really live within the boundaries of what's possible, and not only that, but we can make it so much more, so much nicer from a natural perspective, from a way that we really respect our environment and work with our environment instead of against our environment, which uh, which also um, often happens. So, but I I really think that this is also something that we can do. So it's not just yeah, about is it, is it achievable? Is it realistic? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it is realistic. It just requires a lot of awareness, a lot of innovation, a lot of perseverance. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we need to go away from thinking only about economic growth and thinking more about growth of what. You know, what do we want to l- grow and how do we want to grow and, and flourish as uh, as humans together with nature around us that gives us so much, um, that offers us so much and think very well about how we can cooperate and how we can, can capture value from that as well. So, um, yeah, so both the book and the, the work that, that we're doing from Naturevation, I hope we'll take that again a step further. Helen, thank you very much. Thank you. It was really nice talking to you.